The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS Radio Network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, and good morning. Today is April 23rd, 2023, and here are the topics that will be discussed in this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay Rao Show. There is outrage in Kansas City as a black teen is shot by a white resident after ringing the wrong doorbell. We want to take you right now to Akron, Ohio, where prosecutors are discussing the fatal police shooting of 25-year-old Jalen Walker this past June. We're hearing there are no charges that will be filed against the officers involved in the shooting. Justice Clarence Thomas and the numerous purported ethical violations reported by ProPublica is in the limelight again because a big step forward has been taken into the investigation of these actions. An official letter written by Senator Sheldon and Representative Hank Johnson has officially been sent to the Judicial Conference. Fox has to pay Dominion Voting System $787 million for making false statements about the voting machine. It was a huge story for the past two years in the media world, but very rarely mentioned on Fox. Online radio at its best. When you ask God for something, God boxes it up, puts your name on it, and he ships it the day you ask for it. As soon as you ask for it, he ships it. The problem with the package is, He never tells you the date that is going to arrive. If he did that, it would destroy the one element that he requires, your faith. So God sends your package, but he only delivers to Faith Street. If you step off of Faith Street and you go over here to I Don't Believe It Boulevard, he don't ship there. If you step over here to I Don't See How Avenue, he don't ship there. If you step over here to Ain't No Way Circle, he don't ship there. The package only goes to Faith Street. What happens to the average person is that when the package arrives and you ain't on Faith Street, it's just like the post office in FedEx, UPS. If you ain't there, the package got to go back. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the calling number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is our calling number. And good morning and welcome to the serious side. Once again, I'm Jay Rao. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your Sunday with us. A little gloomy in the state of Texas. Hopefully, the weather is better in your neck of the woods. And like I always say, I I'm never here by myself. Unexpected twist this morning. Uh, the man who gets the first and last word, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S is in the house. Good morning, Mr. Elias. How are you? Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning to you and Vanessa on the uh, on the on the high seas and overseas, I should say. And uh, 
Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Real J. Good morning, Mama B. Good morning, Mary Louise. Good morning, my brother Hawk. Good morning, my brother Jerome. Thank you so much, Mr. Elias. Now, I will say this. I didn't expect you to be here this morning, but but it's a pleasant surprise to have you in the place to be. And I'll tell you something else, too. Here's something that I've been waiting for for a very long time. And uh, I get a chance to do this for the first time in 2023. Mr. Elias, can you stop all that noise? Lord, have mercy. Jesus. Now, I get a chance to introduce my brother from another mother, a man whose wisdom and all of his glory has been missed on this show. Let's say good morning, man. It feels good to say this to Mr. Johnny D and the place to me, my brother Hawk, man. Good morning and welcome, 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 welcome. How are you, sir? Oh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, you know what? It, it is an honor. Um, I have not been able to rest comfortably uh, for the last couple of days, it's almost like a, a, a kid going to grade school on the first day. So I, I will certainly extend a, a, a warm greeting to all of the listeners. Um, Brother Les, uh, again, hadn't anticipated being able to share the mic this morning with you. I knew Miss Vanessa was going to be traveling the world as retirees should be able to do after working yes. a long yes. life and serving this, this this country and getting a chance to be uh, in the listening ear and realm of, of, of Brother Jerome, the smartest man in the world, and, and all of the rest of the contributors, but most importantly, this gentleman who I call my brother and has served in that capacity for, Jay, believe it or not, it's been 37 years, man. 37 years. 37 wow. years? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Definitely. Wow. You've been sucking into that yeah. too, huh, Johnny D? Yeah. You've been yeah. sucking into I, that one too, huh? You, you, you know what, Les? <laughs> I, I will be honest, man. Like I say, this is a brother here, and I want everyone to know, and then, I, you know, again, my formalities have to be reintroduced because it's been well over 18 months since I had an opportunity to be part of this here, so I'm going to take a moment. But this this is a brother who, if it wasn't for him and wasn't for guys like uh, Mac and, and, and Monk, um, I don't know where my travels would have landed me because as, as a young 18-year-old, on the the European lands, um, these guys guided me through that, and so they was my first real influence of positivity and 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 leadership. And like I say, I contribute a lot of my success today and accomplishments and and, and really character to, to to Jay and and others, man. But like I say, it is wonderful being here. Uh, some some good topics. Uh, a lot has gone on in the world since I was last um, part of this 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 fine cast. So again, thank you for this this opportunity uh, to be part. And like I say, I, I pray that all of the listeners are well this morning. So thank you, brother. Um, I thank you, brother, for the kind words, man. And ditto. I mean, you know, once again, you know, this guy here, and, and you know, and, and hopefully one day. We'll get a chance to break bread together. All of us uh, will be able to sit down and have fun and talk and, 
and, and, and, you know, we won't be under the constraints of the show and kind of talk about some of the things that really happened overseas. But I tell you what, though, this, this guy is, uh, he's the absolute best, man. And, and I, I'm going to take a point of personal privilege to, to just, uh, to, to acknowledge. And I know you guys are like, oh, my God, it's a bro love fest. You damn skippy it is. Because I tell you something, the way he turned out, the way he is, the man he is today. But I tell you what, when, when I think about it, sometimes it brings tears to my eyes. Because the hawk that you hear and see now, <laughs> well, there was some doubt for a minute. <laughs> uh, oh, man. All I have to do wow. is say one hey, look, two <laughs> words, Cotton Club. It could have been all over behind that, but this guy here is the absolute best, folks. And, uh, and as you can see, I just love him to death. Boy, I tell you, this guy is the greatest. 347-850-1272. It's going to be a fun ride. I know a lot of you folks who have been asking for this, man. should be a special day for you as well. But we have a lot to get into, and you know how we do. We spend the first few minutes of personal privilege. We try to talk about topics that we're will not discuss during the show. And here's a topic that I, I want to bring up, and I'm curious, now that Mr. Elias is in the fold as well, to, to get y'all's opinion on this. So now, there was a video that this this past week, and I'm not sure if you guys saw it, the video, bus driver, uh, bus full of kids. Uh, kids were, you know, kind of bouncing around. He's telling the kids to sit down. They won't listen, you know. So he said, hey, y'all need to be sitting down just in case an emergency happens. And then he asked the kids, you want to see how one feels? And they yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he was driving at about nine miles per hour. He hit the brakes real hard, and, and it kind of, you know, pushed the kids up into the seat. This man was fired behind that. And before I give my opinion on how that whole thing. Let me let me ask you. Uh, uh, let me go to you, Johnny. Uh, how do you feel about that, man? You didn't see the video. Once again, the kids weren't hurt. They just kind of bumped up against the seat that was in front of them. He said, "See, so you need to sit down because you know you guys can go flying just in case you know we get into a car accident." So let me ask you, man. Do you, do you think this bus driver should have been fired behind that? Well, let me let me start off by saying this here. Uh, th- this is this is something that I've been a champion of for you know several years, probably well over a decade. Is school bus safety? You know, in in America, mm-hmm. we always you know pretend that our, our kids matter, but every school bus or our, our it's well over ninety percent of the school buses don't have seat belts. Okay, right. So the reality of it is is let's start off by making sure that we can equip it. Now, when you look at the, the, the behaviors of some of the youth, it is atrocious and terrible. I mean, I, I see the school buses, you know, of course, the type of vehicle that I drive is oftentimes noticeable. And, you know, mm-hmm. you got kids that, that might flip you the finger. I mean, standing up, there's <laughs> wow. no order of... Uh, you know, unlike when we went to school, you had elders who was driving the school bus. Now, this person could have been elders, and and also high yeah, he was kids, probably you know, the high 50s, school kids drove the bus. Late fifties, so late 50s. Yeah, because you know it, it was a combination. Now, what you have is underpaid workers who may or may not have been properly trained. Now, whether or not the person should have lost a job, I I didn't see the video and don't know if there was any injuries. But I I will say this here. As an adult, it's it's your job to be responsible. If, in fact, 
he was having problems with kids being disorderly, then that's when you bring it to the administration and let the administration address that. But you don't you don't put yourself in as well as the youth in harm's way by staging an accident. So it was some irresponsibility. Now, whether or not she should have lost the job depends on history. You know, had this been done before, the, the likelihood to cause further injury and just the whole dynamic. So, you know, I'll research it and just so I can see because I always love the topics that you bring up. But, one, it was irresponsible, and it endangered the lives of, of the young ones. But them kids are bad on the school bus. I mean, you know, they don't listen. The parents will probably come on in and try to jump on him, and now you're looking at, you know, litigation. So what the school oftentimes has to do is they've got to react, which means, okay, now you have this bus driver who put our kids in harm's way. Now it becomes a culpability issue. What are y'all going to do about it? And, and the easiest thing to do to a person who may not be making $15 an hour is guess what? Get rid of them. Yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. Now, Mr. Elias, once again, the bus is driving around nine miles per hour. So imagine you driving up the street real slow. He tapped on the brakes. All it did was there was some, I think they were third or fourth graders. So he kind of bumped them up against the, the seat that was in front of him. Now, every news broadcast that replayed the video, it, they started off saying this may be tough to watch. And then, you know, they showed it. And, and so, you know, without seeing a video, and I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, but just based on what I'm telling you, do you think this bus driver should have been fired? Uh, you know, I'm, no, I don't think he should have been fired. I, I haven't seen a video just for clarity. I, I, I don't think he should have been fired. I, I, you know, I, I'm one that believes in, you know, hey, man, you, when you experience it, you realize what you're going through. So these kids are, well, I, really, I bet after that, they'll remember every time when somebody says, hey, sit down on the bus, sit down on the bus so they know what will happen to you. Because experience is the best teacher in the world. So, no, I don't think he should have been fired at all. I mean, COVID, COVID taught a lot of parents that how unruly their kids were. COVID taught a lot of parents to that. I cannot I recall when I watched so much on Facebook, I was like, oh, my God, please, teachers, come back to school. Get back to school so we can get rid of our kids. These are their kids. So yeah. these kids, I, I, I watched in North Carolina when that girl attacked that teacher. These kids are unruly. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. you got to take different measures, man. You know, you got all. Yeah. You know, when you take the gloves off, you got to take the gloves off, man. When I was, man, yeah. when I came up, the teachers, man, we, man, look, they, I was understanding. Hey, when you got to school, you act it up. They brought out that paddle and got with you. Today, that's not what happened. So, hey, man. No, no fear. No fear whatsoever. Huh. Interesting. You, you know, my, my take on this is I'm with you. I actually saw the video. And, uh, look, that guy should have been fired. And I think that today's kids are soft. Now, I'll say that to say this. That I understand, like, you know, Johnny said something that I thought was interesting that I didn't even take into consideration when I was think you know thinking about bringing this topic up during this portion of the show the fact that you do have back in the day you had elder people that were in those positions of responsibility but now you have these young folks in in class so would I feel comfortable with some of these teachers paneling my kids nowadays no so 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 I get it but at the same time I also understand that like you said Mr. LAS 
if they tell them to sit down, they'll sit down from now on. But they interview parents. My son came running home. He was so traumatized, and he was saying that, oh, my God, I don't ever want to ride the school bus again. Well, show the video. It's easy for us to take a moment in time and analyze it. But that guy has been on that school bus all year long. He's probably been dealing with these badass kids all year long. And at some point in time, you get tired of saying, look, y'all sit down. Okay, you want to see how it feels? Booyah. And it wasn't hard. It just made them shift. But once again, on the news, oh, this may be difficult to watch. I didn't think it was difficult to watch. Matter of fact, I was laughing. And I said, good for him. Because at the end of the day, you know what? Because guess what? They're only going nine miles per hour, right? My, going up the street. My mother, my mother would have been the one that said, I bet you sit your ass down from now, won't you? Thank you. I, I, I just think that some exactly. I just think that sometimes we over pamper these kids. I was watching a video uh, last week uh, before I didn't realize we were going to cancel the show, and we apologize for that. I have to explain during the show what happened. Uh, but it was this kid that jumped up in this teacher's face, and he was threatening the teacher, and the teacher couldn't touch him. I said I couldn't work in schools today. Because as soon as that little pump would have got in my face, bang out, it'd been over with. You don't come up on me like that. But they do this because they know they can get away with it. Well, man, folks, hey, guys, appreciate you as always. 347-850-1272. It is time to get into the heavy lifting of the show. It's time for the NPR News uh, update. And after that, we'll get into it. Once again, you're listening to the serious side. Welcome back. If you can see the virtual banner that I have hanging up, welcome back, Johnny D. Welcome back, Johnny D. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. The White House says the U.S. military has evacuated the American embassy in the Sudanese capital of Khartoum. U.S. troops have escorted American diplomats from the city as violent clashes between the country's army and a paramilitary group enter their second week. NPR's Michelle Kellerman reports the U.S. is shuttering its embassy for now as the violence there escalates. President Biden says he ordered the evacuation of U.S. government personnel after meeting his security team to discuss the conflict in Sudan. He's thanking the countries of Djibouti, Ethiopia, and Saudi Arabia, which he says were critical to the success of the operation. Biden calls the violence in Sudan tragic and unconscionable. Several hundred people have been killed as factions loyal to rival gangs fight for control of the country and ignore international calls for a truce. The U.S. is suspending operations at the embassy and won't predict when it could reopen. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, Washington. In a statement, President Biden says he's receiving regular reports on the ongoing work to assist Americans who remain in Sudan. Bed Bath & Beyond has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The once-dominant home goods retailer has been losing both shoppers and money in recent months, as NPR's Alina Sillian Bed Bath & Beyond has been missing payments to lenders and suppliers, asking landlords for breaks on rent and closing stores. The retailer has been losing both money and shoppers after a series of misfired turnaround attempts. During the pandemic, for example, the company was in the middle of replacing big brands with unfamiliar store brands, missing out on a historic shopping spree. Bed Bath & Beyond has also long struggled to find its niche in a world that shops online. 
facing more and more competitors, Amazon, Target, Wayfair, West Elm. In one recent interview, its co-founder said Bed Bath & Beyond, quote, missed the boat on the Internet. Alina Selyuk, NPR News. Agriculture ministers from the group of seven wealthy nations have voiced strong support for an extension of a critical deal to export Ukrainian grain via the Black Sea. Here's the BBC's Danny Everhart reporting. The Black Sea grain deal, brokered by Turkey and the United Nations, was extended last month to the middle of May. Russia wouldn't agree to a longer extension. Its exports of grain and fertilizers are not under direct Western sanctions. But Moscow says they're affected indirectly by restrictions in areas such as shipping insurance. G7 ministers accused Russia of using food as a tool of what they called geopolitical coercion. The war in Ukraine, they said, was continuing to have a devastating impact on global food security, with high prices of grain, fuel and fertilizers disproportionately impacting the most vulnerable people. You're listening to NPR News. Online radio at its best. And you should never, ever have to worry that your life will be taken. There is outrage after 16-year-old Ralph Yarl was shot, all because he rang the wrong doorbell. He was going to pick up his younger brothers from a friend's house on 115th Terrace in Kansas City, but instead he went to 115th Street. He was greeted at the door by gunshots. It's inexplicable to have black people ring a doorbell and then have a white citizen shoot him in the head first and then shoot him a second time. I mean, there is no way you can justify this. Welcome back in. 347-850-1272. 14 minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. And it just seems to me every week we're having a conversation about a young African-American man, or in this case, boy, being shot just because they're black. And that's exactly what happened here. You heard the write-up. Uh, you heard the lead-in. Uh, once again, rang the wrong doorbell, got shot twice, right? Uh, and then as he went to go look for help, uh, neighbors did not let him in. And then the one neighbor who did decided they were going to render some type of help, told him to get on the ground and put his hands up. That's when the young man passed out. Mr. Elias, uh, once again, this is just an example of a gun-craved nation where we have a nation that has over 400 million guns. Uh, We have more guns than we have people. And this is just a sad, sad case. How many times have you uh, maybe gone to the wrong house by accident? Or in the case uh, that happened, I think it was in, in New York, uh, I'm not mistaken, I can't remember, the young lady who just turned, they turned around in the wrong driveway just to go back mm-hmm. up the street, and the, and the young lady was killed. This is just, this is direct result of a nation that's, you know, thirsty, Hollywood guns. I can't explain why people are infatuated with guns the way they are. Give me your thoughts on this particular topic, sir. Well, you know what, man, not only that, it was, it was, it was a case in Texas where where chilling came, <laughs> was, you know, went to the wrong house and same thing happened. Look, man, this, this is this is crazy. If somebody rings my doorbell, I can look at my ring doorbell and answer it that way and say, hey, can I help you? 
But if it's your wrong house, you know how these times people come to my house to sell me something and ring my doorbell? And I mean, am I supposed to fire on every person? This is ridiculous. This, 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 is, this is malice. This man shot this young kid in the head, and then as he lay on the ground, he shot him again. And the only reason he didn't hit him in the chest is because the kid had his arm up. This is crazy. This is insane. You can't even go to the wrong house anymore without being shot. This is unbelievable. It's unprecedented. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, um, and then, you know, I was looking at some of the, uh, some of the footage, and they, a lot of people were calling 911 because they heard the gunshots, and they told these people to stay in their house because there's an active shooter in the area. So, you know, I understand that fact, but, you know, if I'm on the phone with 911 and somebody comes at, at and they say it's an active shooter in the area, then I got, I got to deal with that too. So this is this is insane that we are living in, in, in an era where you can't even go to somebody's house anymore. And it's the wrong house. And I I watched some stuff on um, social media where a guy was overzealous. It was on, it was on a TV show. A guy was overzealous. He rang the doorbell. Thought he was coming to a late night party. And then it was one o'clock in the morning. The guy came out. The first thing he did to the guy was punch him in his face for bringing the wrong doorbell. This is. This is the society that we live in today. This is crazy. This is insane. There's no excuse for it, and some something needs to happen, man. You know. Well, I mean, you know, I think we all know know what the something is, but you know, the bottom line now, just you know, you mentioned the the, the story about the cheerleader, and basically what happened was uh, this this young lady was a part of a cheerleading team, and so they H E B, which is a uh, grocery store chain here in Texas. Um, they were uh, they they used it as a, greet, a meeting spot. So they were going to carpool to the next event. Uh, the young lady got into the wrong car, um, and then they got out the car and they said they apologized to this guy. This guy still, you know, shot him. And, and it's like, are you serious? You know, a bunch of teenage girls. W- what type of threat did they pose to you? And, and you know, they got that guy in custody, and hopefully they'll you know they'll. Uh, prosecute him and uh, punish him to the full extent of the law. But kind of going back to, you know, Johnny D, you know, Mr. Elias said, what can we do about it? I mean, we know what we can do about it, but, you know, it's not going to be done. I mean, when you think about some of this nonsense, I was talking to a guy that I know at work, and he was saying that, well, you can't tell me that I can't own the AR-15. You know, yeah, you're telling me that that uh, that I can't have this assault weapon, but you know, but what happens when they come in my house? You know, I, I need to make sure I got the right firepower. And it's almost, it's like people are saying, look, you can try to put gun control laws in place all <laughs> you want, but the t- the toothpaste is out wow. of the tube. So you know, you're gonna, you know, you're going to take my ability away to protect my family. So you're gonna, so you're gonna make me carry a, a handgun when there there are so many assault rifles out there. I need to be in the fight. Don't send me into the to, to you know, send me into a gun a gunfight with a knife kind of thing. Give me your thoughts on this whole thing, man. You know what's what's interesting is um, it, it boils down to political contributions. Uh, no one's gonna take on the NRA because they receive an enormous amount of political contributions and trips and all the rest of the, the, the perks and luxuries uh, that 
public servants should not receive. Uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, public servants work for their constituents, but yet Americans is so glamorized by stardom and fame and titles and, and, and you know, roles that people have and positions that we cater to them. So the NRA right now is driving the gun legislation simply because of the contributions. When you got individuals, uh, you know, Mitch, uh, you know, Mitt Romney and all those guys make fourteen, fifteen million dollars in political contributions from places like the NRA, and you know he's probably in that middle spectrum. Then no, they don't have any desire here. Recently, in 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 this state, um, which has just really been off off the charts as far as foolishness. Um, let me just kind of qualify this. There was another shooting in, in, in North Carolina in this great state where a gentleman uh, shot a six-year-old uh, mother and father because the basketball rolled in his yard. So, yes, you know, for me, that, that was four incidents that occurred. The young lady in New York that was killed, uh, like, and then, yep. of course, the the uh, young Mr. Ralph Yarl in Kansas City, and then uh, the the cheerleader, um, forget what her name is, uh, Peyton, um, I think Peyton Washington, and you know yep. it, it's sad that America is so fascinated with violence. Uh, but again, if you if you look at history, we recognize mm-hmm. and we glamorize our killers. Now I say that because mm-hmm. there's probably not a person who doesn't know Al Capone's name, John Dillinger. But if I ask you yep. who was the first vice president in the United States, you probably couldn't tell me. But you can tell me That's who true. America's killers are. So we are fascinated by that. And and we yeah. set back. Now, people are just so angry, man. You know, when, when I look at the road raid incidents that occur, you know, people fighting in supermarkets, people fighting at these AAU tournaments. And I know, Jay, you, 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 you're taking the niece oh, yeah. around. And people are just crazy, man. I mean, everybody is so volatile. And what's interesting is that we're living in a country now where no one wants to render aid. They just pull out their cameras and start videotaping it and watch people get almost killed physically. And then you contribute this to guns. And some of it is fear, which simply means that if I even think because of the trends in America, I'm going to get shot. And the pretense is let me let let me harm you before you harm me. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe that you have a right to protect yourself. You know, Jay, you and I stood on that front line. You know, you a lot longer than I, as far as the, the military. And then I continued mine in a law enforcement community. So yeah. understanding that I'm 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 not one of those individuals who who are anti-gun. I'm just about responsible gun ownership here in this state. Now that the Republicans have the supermajority, which means the governor can make, you know, put into act an executive order and they can override it. He can't even veto it, okay, because they have the supermajority in both the House and the Senate. So what they recently did is rescinded the gun permit. So that means any looney tune, any person can go out there and now purchase a weapon. Now, let's look at, let's look at the, the, the big picture. What that means to me is the fact that you have now a community, because trust me when I tell you this here, they want a certain sect and a certain race of individuals to kill one another off because they understand 
the violence is typically directed to people who you know. But then on the other end, they're allowing the free will of the people to purchase weapons so that they can then annihilate this group that they want to kill one another out. So if you don't extinct yourself, then we're going to bring you into extinction. extinction. So there's really a broader picture than this right here, but the contributing factor really is the money. And, and no one's going to fight the NRA because they're driving all of this legislation here. And you got that radical group of, of Republicans and um, individuals who are independent, but at the same time volatile. You got these posse comatatas. I mean, you just got individuals now that's out there just ready to rage war on any little thing. Um, you know, look at the Capitol on January the 6th. You know, it, it's, it, it is just the contributing factor where people are just, man, so so angry now, you know. And yeah. um, and I think you're seeing that played out throughout communities. Yeah, I, I think you're right. When you talked about you – know, you said something I thought was interesting. When, when we talk about people being upset, folks are, are, you know, at a point where if you cut somebody off on the road, you know, be prepared. You know, this is, Mr. Elias, and this is one of the reasons why I always take my hat off to campaign workers, because you're knocking on the door of complete strangers. And depending on who you are representing, you know, you may run into some folks that do not like liberals, and they may take it into, you know, I mean, I just, when they come by my house and knock on my door, I spend time to talk to them because there's not, look, I wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm just sorry. I, I won't do it because I know me. Because the first time somebody says something wrong to me, then, you know, I'm going to be on the 10 o'clock news. And so it's like, I, I just, we live in a society where we just can't disagree and be okay with that. We have to make sure that, listen, Either you do it my way or there's no there's there's only one option, my way. We can't agree to disagree with some folks. I mean, I, I drive around town and I see these bumper stickers, you know, you know, F Biden. I mean, and it's spelled out, F U C K Biden. Riding around town, I'm like, okay, here we go. And and at the end of the day, brother, you know, like Johnny D said, we live in a in a society that's so volatile and that you just never know. Once again, just went to the wrong. He was going to pick up his twin brothers, and he 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 gets shot. And then the person that I guess eventually helped him told him to get on the ground and put his hands up. Now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, if someone knocks on your door with blood, you like, wait a minute, I don't want to. Okay, get get away a little bit. Let me see what's. So I don't know how I feel about that piece, to be honest with you. Because it's not normal for someone to knock on your door. Like right now, you go outside and look, and somebody's out there bleeding. Like, oh, you know, somebody chasing them. Is there, you know, someone with a gun behind him? Is this just Is this just Well, yeah, you, 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 you don't. You really don't know because you're, you're right. You have situations like that where people have knocked on doorbells requesting help, and then the people open the door, and then them jokers rob them. So, so I don't know mm-hmm. how, you know, because they're adding that to the narrative. Oh, and then when he finally gets up, somebody told him to get on the ground and put his hands up. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm going to leave that one alone because some people may say they did it because he was black, and maybe they did. But, you know, once again, 
and I always tell people, put yourself in these other folks' shoes. If somebody comes knocking on your door with blood all over them, you don't know if that person just shot somebody and coming to your – you don't know. You just don't know. But, but you know, just uh, just kind of, you know, Mr. Elias, give me your thoughts on what Johnny D said and then put whatever bow you want to put on it. Well, bottom line, what Johnny D said is correct, man. We've become a society of people who don't care about our fellow men. We don't give a damn. We don't care. Uh, if I got to take you out, I got to take you out. But to me, a life is important. Now, if you're trying to take me out, then I got to take you out. That That's just the way life has always been for me. But if if you come and knock on my door, if you ring my doorbell and I don't know you, I don't care. You can be black, white, green, yellow, polka dot, whatever. I'm going to ask the door and be like, hey, what's going on? You need something to, to, to just you know, just open the door and fire on a young man because he rang your doorbell or somebody turned in the wrong driveway or if a group of young girls jump into a car or if a basketball rolls into somebody's yard to shoot an entire family. What I mean, what is really going on in the world where we become so, so uh, soft that the first thing we do is grab our gun and we go at. Let me ask you something though. Let, let, let me ask you a question because because you said earlier, what can we do about it? Here's a question I have for you: If they passed a law saying that um, that a citizen can only own two guns at a time and they can't be assault weapons, and that people who have more guns have to turn their guns in, how would you feel about that? I would say buy mine back. I'm good with it. I don't want to lose no money. If they buy them back, you can have them. If you buy them, you give me what I pay for my gun, yeah, give my money back. But if you're talking about just handing them over and I just spent thousands of dollars, nah, I'm sorry. Pay, pay me my money back for what you have. I'm good with it. You know, they get to keep what I want. Yeah, you, 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 have, you have my assault rifle back. I don't care. Give me what I got invested into it. No big deal to me. Interesting. That's interesting. You know, you know they're not going to give you your full value. They'll probably give you a portion of it. If they gave you 70% of your value back, will you be okay with that? Give me my money back. Because those, those are investments for me. The, but but the you didn't answer I the got, question. If they give you 70%, give me my money. I just, I did it. it's depreciation. I just said, give me. I ain't no depreciation. I know, I know, yeah, it I is. Guns don't depreciate, man. They do not it's depreciate. It is a do, 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 do. It's you. You're not going to pay. You're not going to pay the full. Okay. You're not going to pay full price for a weapon uh, if somebody sells it to you. You're going to pay. You're going to pay. It's used. Whether you shot it or not, it's used. If I take a new car and drive it off the lot, it loses thirty percent of its value. I, I can just you drive it and sell it on the street. Some of the guns that guy have never been fired, Jay. Never. Oh, okay. So, if, okay, you, so, if, you, get a, so, if you get a collectible car, if you get a collectible car, Jay, and you, you drive that car uh, and you take that car, and it depends on how many miles you got. The more miles, the less miles you got, the more it's worth, isn't it? Well, let me put it this way. Let me, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to find a solution to the problem because we're saying everybody wants to say we need to have more gun rights. We need to, you know, have common sense gun gun reform. Gun laws. But get rid of the gun show loophole. Get rid of that. If you want to well, but, get rid of the gun show loophole, that that one would be that would mean a lot. Get, 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 that's get true. Of, 
get rid, get rid, get. You want to know how you do it? You you put a a computer system in place of the cards that they got intact for the government. That's how you do it. Because when you buy, you put a what? It goes. They they got cards. They don't have a computer system that they they look you up on. They got cards. It's not a computer system to tell how many guns you got. You want to you want to get common sense gun laws. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Look at Michael. I don't know, man. If you want to know how to, if you want to know how they really do stuff, look at Michael K. Williams' uh, show. It was a show on um, on uh, Vice TV, and they 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 showed you that when you go buy a gun, it's not even in the computer system. They have to look you up on a card. It's not a computer system, so it's designed that way. So you can own as many guns as you want to. I, I I don't know, man. I, I just think that sometimes we, we say the right things, but when it's time to actually do it, I think that it's like, what about me? Because most people are looking at it through their lens. You know, well, I have the right to own a gun. Yeah, but they're, okay, but so if I have to give up my gun, I have to give up a certain right, and I know I'm going to do the right thing, but there are a lot of people out there who will not. They're not going to do the right thing. So you about, make laws about, to go. What about the people who bought the gun, the, gun, the gun show loophole? You don't know they own that guns. Well, I, I mean, you listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing. I'm not getting that far down in the weeds. I'm just saying that overall, if I have to give up something, it's like when we talk about millionaires and billionaires. You know, billionaires say, "Look, I'll pay more taxes." You know, at the end of the day, if it's if it's going to make it better for other people, I don't have a problem with that. Take away the loopholes, tax loopholes. I can afford it. Well, I can't. Well, why? Why? Why do I have? Why do I have to pay more? Well, you know, that's the law. Why I got to do this? Wait a minute. I mean, you're trying to do stuff for the greater good. So at the end of the day, if we have to say, look, turn all your damn guns in. If it's going to make us safer, America, that's an investment for our future. That's an investment for our kids. So yeah, you may have have a monetary investment on your on your on your firearms, but if if you if there was a magical way of saying, look. If you turn all these weapons in, in 10 years, we are going to have murder rates like we see in Great Britain, like we see in Europe. You don't have that stuff. Johnny can tell you this. We, dude, we never had to worry about we're hanging downtown Franklin, walking around there at 1, 2, or 3 o'clock in the morning. The last thing we thought about was getting shot. Because that's just not the way, that's, that's just the way it is. We didn't think about it. And, I'm, I'm, and I tell you, as a person who has lived in that environment for six years, there's no greater feeling in the world to know that, man, you can just do you. You don't have to worry about if you walk up on the wrong set of dudes. Even if we saw those, those Nazi-looking cats in, down in the Bonhoff, we weren't worried about that because guess what? It's all about, hey, let's you know, get your fist out. Let's go. You have to worry about getting shot. So if we're talking about making an investment, then why not turn your weapons in? But as long as people got that mentality, or have that mentality, I should say, it's never going to change. It's never going to change. It's, it, I, I just don't see a solution to the problem. And then at the end of the day, like a lot of Republicans say, and I have to agree with them when they say this, I mean, you know, there are so many people who have purchased weapons legally, and they still went out and shot folks up. There's, I guess at the end of the day, there's just not one 
there's not a one right answer. There's no silver bullet that's look at a silver bullet, no pun intended, used to try to figure all this out. I don't know. Johnny D man, we have uh we have three minutes, man. Let me give you the last word on this one. All right. Well, I tell you what, we we've had some pretty robust dialogue and everyone's point of view is is in line with what's going on. Um and I'm going to start with, with, with uh, Jay, what you were talking about. Although you do see a, a, an older generation when it comes to gun violence, uh, but you write about uh, one thing as, in regards to those individuals that that have participated in mass killings. Uh, I will say this here. Uh, statistically, the FBI indicates that 62% of them was illegal, I mean, legal purchases. So, you know, mm-hmm. people are, are buying, they're arming themselves, they're well-equipped. You know, to me, I could care less if you have one or or 20 weapons, to be honest, because it only takes that one in the wrong hands with the wrong moment uh, in yep. order to inflict pain on, on someone. Um, you know, if, if we start getting into the weeds about how many weapons a person can own, then that's a whole different argument, a whole different stu- coup of, of – of, angry individuals that's trying to say, you know what, you can't tell me what to do, and just all the rest of the foolishness that comes with it. Yep. I think what Fair most enough. people say is, is just be responsible with with your ownership. But you're right about, Jay, what you said about people in today's culture, and, and it kind of starts with the young people. We, we came from in a generation where we we had some mediation, you know what I'm saying? We understood that we may not get all of the pie, but if I had a piece of the pie that was proportional to where my quality of life wouldn't be impeded, you get yours, I get mine. Well, today's generation, they're, they're not like that. It's all mm-hmm. or none for me. And what that has done as the trends go in America, see, America is the only nation where the young dictate the the old and when i say that hmm. we're so fascinated by youth that we 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 trend down to what young people are doing so in essence we take on their values most particularly in the asian countries you know the elders set the tone for the culture where in America, we so inspired by looking young and acting young and being young. You know, you got people who don't who won't even tell you how old they are. You know, how old you? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. so we're so fascinated by that fountain of youth. But then, at the same sense, we take on their values. I mean, I'm sitting up here this weekend looking at a sixty-some-year-old man run out on the court to try to jump on a referee, and I'm and I'm sitting up here talking, man, you're talking about an eighth-grade. <laughs> But basketball game, you know. So now, yeah. what sixty-year-old man, you know, in, in the age of Beaver Cleaver and and you know, father knows best that era would have jumped out there wanting to fight at, at a game. Uh, it yeah. wouldn't have happened. But now everybody, man, is just so angry. So the gun laws itself, like I say, the NRA is driving it because of the political contributions, and then everybody falls down on my constitutional rights, you know. Not the fact that you're destroying lives, but my yeah. constitutional rights to have one. So now people go into grocery stores, they got them on their side, you know. I mean, just trying to show power and authority. So I'm going to oh, get a yeah. bigger gun than yours. And, it, you know, and, and it's, it, it just keeps going on and on and on. But then look at the face of the terrorists, Okay. That is distinctive. 
You know who the face of the terrorist is. And so now when you see that type of demographic come up in stores now, you better be fearful because the reality of it is is that these are the persons that's purchasing the weapons and these are the persons that's most likely to, to shoot up the place. So be responsible and uh, just just responsible gun ownership. So I hope I didn't exceed the three minutes. No, you're good. I, I, it's interesting. You said some things that, that was interesting uh, doing your commentary there, which is great. You know, but, 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 you know, facts are facts, though. And if you go back and look at the facts, gun violence has gone up since they uh, – you know, since they let the uh, assault weapon ban elapse. I mean, those just those are the numbers. But you brought us some interesting points, man. And, uh, you know, as always, man, bless you. And uh, we love the fact that you bring that to the table. All right, so now uh, it's time for, in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. And, um, you know, this morning's uh, particular uh, topic, um, you've been hearing all these different things about um, uh, AI. People talk about AI, 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 AI. Oh, my God, what is AI? Artificial intelligence talks about how you can take certain things and make it look like it appears to be what it's not. So music fans responded with disbelief this past week to the release of a streaming and social media platforms of a viral song called Heart on My Sleeve, a track that uses AI to simulate the voices of Drake in The weekend. So... In this week's edition of A Four Minutes or Less, when you realize your favorite new song was written and performed by AI, <laughs> it's Kavita time in Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back on the other side. You're listening to the serious side of the Jerry Ross Show. 347 42 minutes after the hour. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Advances in artificial intelligence are making it possible to create songs that sound a lot like the work of real artists. This song, Heart on My Sleeve, uses AI to simulate the music of Drake and The Weeknd. It hints at the creative possibilities of AI, but also potential ethical issues. Here's NPR's Chloe Belton. Music fans responded with disbelief this week to the release on streaming and social media platforms of Heart on My Sleeve. Say you swear to God, this ain't Drake, for real. Here are the hosts of the popular music-related YouTube channel, Law Twins, reacting to the track. Would it be a better rapper? The popularity and revenue-earning potential of AI-generated songs has understandably put music industry gatekeepers on guard. Drake and the weekend label owner Universal Music Group invoked copyright violations to get the platforms to take Heart on My Sleeve down, as well as this AI track, which leans on Eminem. The cats is not going back in the bag. That's Ga Wong. He teaches a class on AI and music at Stanford University. Wang says as AI technology becomes more widespread, people can no longer afford to think of it as the stuff of science fiction. There's something that we couldn't do now that we can, and along with it is a ton of legal, ethical, artistic considerations that we didn't have to think about before in a practical sense, but now we do. Now, the music industry is trying to play catch-up. From a legal standpoint, music and AI litigation is in its infancy, says entertainment lawyer Craig Averill. It's an emerging area. The courts have not weighed in. Averill says the U.S. Copyright Office has issued decisions around AI-related works. The author has to be a human. 
as the law stands. It can't be completely computer-generated. But he says dizzying questions remain about what amount of human intervention is needed to make AI-generated musical works copyrightable. And if the face of the work isn't a human, then who's the copyright holder? If you come up with a composition and then you have an animated character that's front-facing for it and you don't have to really pay that entity any royalties, what is that like? We're not there yet. It's completely broken logic that legislation or litigation is going to protect the arts. It's not going to happen. It's, it's evolving too quickly. That's Grammy-nominated electronic musician and software developer BT. He says artists should lead the way when it comes to creating guardrails around how AI is used. Like all of the musicians interviewed for this story, BT sees great potential in AI as a resource, as long as artists are paid properly. And he also says there are enormous ethical issues. For example, when an AI tool generates lyrics in an artist's style that the actual artist would never sing. When we're talking about the creation of vocals, it could be used to say something that is polar opposite to that person's belief system. And then there's the question of aesthetics, says singer-songwriter and voice actor Dan Navarro. Well, one danger is the lowering of artistic standards to a point where fake becomes real and mediocrity rules. In an effort to keep up with the technological advances, dozens of entertainment industry representatives recently joined forces to create the Human Artistry Campaign. Navarro is part of this new advocacy group. The Human Artistry Campaign's stated goal is to underscore the unique value of human artistry and human creation, especially as technology and opportunism create a culture for conflict and misuse and even abuse. Navarro says he'd like to see a set of agreed principles with legal teeth so that artists, the music industry, streaming services and audiences can understand what is and is not allowed. Chloe Valtman, NPR News. We got the spirit, we're hot, we can't be stopped. We got the spirit, we're hot, we can't be stopped. We're going to beat them and bust them. Smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. All those boys are much too much. Those boys are much too much. Online radio at its best. Neutralize that threat creates a dynamic that amplifies the use of force exponentially. That being said, it is critical to remember that Mr. Walker had fired on the police and that he shot first. There is no more serious matter than when the government takes the life of a citizen. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is the serious side of the JRL show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the JRS Radio Network online radio. And that's eight officers who shot Jalen Walker. Uh, they will not be indicted. A grand jury decided that uh, it's not going to happen. So uh, let's start right there. Start with you, Johnny, on this one. Um, how do you feel about this, man? Because I know a lot of people are, you know, they're confused by it. They're thinking that the officers should have been, you know, that should have happened. But I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I think that probably it's a situation where, well, let me, I don't want to influence, well, I'm not going to influence your answer. Let me just get your thoughts on this, man. Once again, the eight police officers who shot and killed 
Jalen Walker uh, uh, grand jury decided not to indict these officers, and you heard a little bit of the attorney general's press conference when they announced that no charges were going to be brought forward on these individuals. Your thoughts, sir? Uh, you know, if you look at Ohio's history of the innocent killing of unarmed black men, it's, it's not favorable. And, you know, the, the blatancy of this murder and, you know, regardless whether or not they have chosen to, to prosecute, that's what it is, a murder. Uh, you, you cannot justify shooting a person that number of times, but then also a person that is, that is that's fleeing. Now, you know, it's, it's amazing how they come up with these, these weapons and the shots fired and all the rest of the things of that magnitude. But what you have to also contribute is the immediacy of it, okay? At the time that the young man was murdered, he did not have a weapon in his hand. So now there is no threat. There's no imminent threat. Okay, let's just say for the sake of the judicial process that I'm riding down the street and a mile away, I shoot at you, boom, okay? And, and again, now this, this is, these are my fellow brethren, okay? Now, well, as you pursue and you stop, okay, and that okay. person flees, you have to make your observations in regards to the potential for threat to, in order to utilize force at that time. Not a mile back, even if I shot at you, okay? Now, again, well, I recognize the brethren, they want to go home, and I want them to go home. But that's where that, that, that training comes in. That's where you look at the proximity. You look at an individual in regards to the potential threat to you. If a person is running in the opposite direction of you, now naturally you can see the hands because if you were that close to be able to, you know, identify your target and fire that number of rounds, then to me a reasonable person would think that you would be able to at least see their hands while that's going. Because, again, you're assessing the situation as you approach them because anything could happen. Uh, so you, you, you – you know, you're pursuing, but you're assessing at the same time. So, huh. you know, given Ohio's history of not prosecuting, I mean, we could go back and we could probably, if, if we wanted to start naming and identifying, you know, you could you could name five or six of them uh, where this has happened in Ohio. So, you know, again, the state has the culture for doing this here. And haven't had a chance to really read up on a lot of national stuff because, you know, we're kind of focusing in on, on, on local initiatives that I've been involved right. with. But I, I am keenly aware of the incident when it occurred as well as the recent decision, but have not really read the facts in regards to the proximity, the distance from when they, sh when they heard shots fired. Now, again, shots fired right. is a different than you shooting at me. You understand what I'm saying? Big difference. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's a big difference no, that's, now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Big difference. Yeah. Shots fired. I can shoot up in the air. But if I shoot at Jay, then Jay has, at that point, had an imminent threat to your life. Yeah. Not that your pursuit is going to be any different, but at the same time, you know, it, 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 it's, it's just, 
it's unjust. And like I say, I'm 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 going to still stay in with the fact that that uh, I consider that a murder. I mean, based on the extremeness well, of the number of times that the individual was shot, uh, the proximity of the body in which he was shot, and there's no other way that you can say judicially that that was not a murder. So that's my that's my stake, and I oh, wow. stand on it. Wow, Mr. Elias, what about you? I don't know. If, have you had an opportunity to see the video, Mr. Elias? I have not had an opportunity to see the video, but I do. I, I am familiar with the case, and I'm I'm with Johnny, man. I, you know, uh, oh, wow. you know, I am. I, I agree wholeheartedly, man. I, I'm I'm looking at a case in Chicago where we were talking uh, about a year ago, where the young man was running, and he. He, he dropped the gun, and then he, he raised his hand, and he turned, and the officer fired on him. Well, they've come to the conclusion that that officer was wrong, and they are firing this officer right now. Because, yeah. hey, man, it, it, you know, it, if, he, if he is unarmed at the time, why did you shoot him 40-something times? Were you that fearful of him? At, at that point in time, I understand everybody wants to go home. I went after any shit that you work. I do. I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I I definitely don't disagree with that. But you shot this man forty something times, man. Forty, yeah. and he was unarmed. You yeah. didn't assess the situation. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I actually saw the video, and he uh, he had on a mask. He shot at the cops. Took a shot at them. When they try to pursue him by foot, they try to tase him. But then he turned around and swung around as if he was reaching in his pot, reaching in his waistband, and that's when they dropped him. So I, 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 I'm going to be on the other side of this one. Uh, I know it may not be popular with black folks, but I know that once you have introduced a gun into the fray, once you shot at me, once again, you know, we're Monday morning quarterback in this thing. You are in the moment. Um, and I'm chasing a suspect, and this guy has turned around and shot at us, that means he's armed, okay? So now he bails out the car. Now I'm chasing him. I don't know if he still has that firearm on him or not. So we're chasing him, and they're trying to tase him as he's running away. But then he turns around and makes a quick movement towards the cop. You know, and I've always, this has been always been my saying, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. I don't know if you still got that weapon on you or not. I'm going to drop you. And, and, And so... You know, and I think what happened was the district attorney office and the grand jury looked at the facts and said, okay, this doesn't justify it now. But because of the history that we have with police, because of the fact that there have been cases where they should have been charged and they weren't, I can understand why people feel the way they feel about it. But like I said, I saw it, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm rack, rack, racking my brain saying, huh, you know, I tell people this. I've never been shot at in real life. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I have, but I have been a part of, of of exercises where they use what we call this laser equipment. Now, it's not like it's just a very expensive edition of laser tag when we were going on military maneuvers. And I tell you something, when we were out, especially when I was in, you know, leadership school and we were out doing these things and, and you know, the whole purpose of leadership schools and this training is to set you up to encounter the enemy. They'll tell you one thing, knowing that the intelligence is wrong and that you're going to encounter the enemy soldier. And I remember I remember this as if it were yesterday. We were um, we were sent out 
on the maneuver, and we were waiting for intelligence told us that this platoon was going to come down this particular road. Well, they lied, obviously. These jokers ended up coming up behind us, and we got into a full firefight with this platoon. And I remember, I, it had never, I would never forget this. So we had to bail because it was two of us, and we was fighting all these cats. We were the lookout points. And so I remember ducking behind this tree, and I looked around this tree, and it was a, and I didn't see the guy. When I looked behind that tree, that joker fired. I saw the flash of that muzzle, and, and he hit me, and I was gone. I said, and it, and it was just a feeling. I said, oh, my God, you know, what if this had been real? Because I didn't see him, and as soon as I picked my head up, and my thing went off. And I saw him when he shot, and I saw the flash of the muzzle. So even though I've never been shot at, I've been in a situation where my heart was beating 110 miles per hour, knowing I would walk away from that situation, but it was still intense. It was still an intense firefight because the type of equipment that the military used to simulate these battles, if you get a near miss, it's like, and so it's like, you know, it's like your thing is people, ooh, you got a near miss. Like, man, I almost got shot. And so it really intensifies that training. And for me, and I've told this story before about how I went through military police training through a simulator. Once again, big simulator, military just purchased this equipment, and we were cops on patrol. And we ran into three different scenarios that they showed us using real folks on this big old advanced screen. And how, you know, I got shot on the last one because I was giving this lady the benefit of the doubt, and she pulled out a pistol and shot me, point blank range. So I hear what everyone's saying, but once he shot at the police, now I know that there's a live weapon involved in this process. And I don't have time to wonder, oh, well, did he take it with him when he jumped out the car? No, he shot at me. I know he's armed. Now, you go back and see it laying in this car seat, God dang it. I don't know that. It's dark outside. How the hell do I know he doesn't have a weapon on him? He's wearing a mask. So I don't know, man. I, I, I just think that we have to, sometimes we're so quick. And I was a little, you know, and in, in, in fairness to you, brothers, maybe you haven't seen the video. But I don't know, man. I just think that sometimes we get carried away with this stuff and realize that these are real folks behind these weapons and, and folks that's wearing these badges. And, yeah, even though – you know, a lot of them done things that they shouldn't have done. But in this case, I, I, I'm on their side, and, and I don't think they should have been charged. That's just me. Well, you, you know? But you know what, though, Jay? Like I say, I'll be the first one to tell you that at the end of the day, you know, you want you want your people to go home, okay? And, and yeah. you have a right to go home. Now, okay, let, let, let's say this here. If If we start categorizing this here, yeah, you got a black mask on, but now how many individuals can you truly say walk around now with masks where you can't see their person? I mean, they they actually walk around like that. Now, what was what was the purpose of stopping him? Was it a was it an armed robbery? Was it a I, that a I don't know. Crime? I, it, it wasn't. It I, wasn't. That, okay. I don't know. It, it I don't was, know it that. It was a simple traffic stop. So if 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 you look at the fact that I okay I got a face mask on but but you're not stopping me for no armed robbery okay so now that's that that's where we he had on the whole right hood here. Johnny he had a right. whole oh, hood know, on with it, only his know, eyes out you said okay all right trust okay me now I okay. I've like I say I day why why you talking I, I I pull up 
you know. So I'm 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 looking I'm I I looked at the video. I looked at the proximity. Now, I don't necessarily see what you see where he turned around because it was so many officers in pursuit. Now, maybe there's a camera mm-hmm. angle that I did not see, but I looked at the distance from when the officers mm-hmm. started to fire the weapon, okay? Mm-hmm. When the mm-hmm. officers started firing the weapon, there was no imminent threat at that point in time simply because of the the response gap, okay, your reactionary gap. Now, okay. Clearly, clearly I had not seen the video. Now I'm looking at it, and I still stand with this right here. It is questionable. Now, if there's another body angle where I can, you know, a body camera where I can see the Mm. person turn around with his hands, I didn't see that, not from the couple of angles that I've quickly pulled up and been able to look at because I always want to be Mm. fair. If I'm wrong, I'll come back and say so. To this point here, I don't see what an imminent threat is. I see the young man because they do steel frames, he get out, I see the mass, okay? But then I go back yeah. to the to, to the purpose of the stop, stop about mm-hmm. um, They talked about he fired his weapon 40 seconds into the pursuit. How long was the pursuit? You see, so those are the things that you have to look at from a, from, from a judicial standpoint. And, you know, right. truth being told, you know, right now, I would have to say based off of the angles that I've seen, to say that that was an excessive use of force. Okay, that's fair. I mean, that, that's fair. And, and, and you know, and, and I just want to make sure that you have the benefit benefit of the benefit of looking at everything. And and, and that's a fair assessment. I, I just for me, you know, because when they were doing the press conference, they, they they showed you know the video and they showed the steals and and stuff like that. And I saw the steal where it looks like he was reaching down in his waistband. But like I said, I'm not I'm not a you know. And then here's the other part of it too. It's like fair or unfair, we hold these people that who are in these positions to a higher standard. Just like when they talk about, you know, doctors and stuff. Well, a doctor made a mistake and he messed around and cut the wrong thing and a person bled out, you know, medical malpractice. Well, you know what? It's a, well, some people say, well, it's a mistake. Well, no, at, and when you're in that position, you can't afford to make mistakes. You do that when you signed up for the profession. So, you know, maybe it falls under that category. I just know for me, that if I'm trying to pull you over for a gun for for a traffic stop and you turn and shoot at at, at us, then you know you've introduced a gun into the fray, not me. So here we go, and and so now I'm on heightened alert because I want to go home and see my kids. I want to go home and kiss my wife. I'm going to go home and hug my daughters. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt now that you introduced a weapon into the fray. Once you introduced it, I didn't introduce it. You did. You shot at me first. And I don't think any person in there, I don't think any person, uh, if you were chasing somebody that did something to your house and they turned around and took a shot at you, if you had your weapon, I don't think anybody, and once again, this is just average Joe Smo, is going to sit here and say, well, oh, man, let me try to find him. No, we, okay, now you, now you done brought the weapon out, dude. Now it's time to go. And, and, but once yeah, again, but, we're not but police you know officers. what, though, Jay, the, the, the average Joe Smo does not go through the extensive training that law enforcement. That's why I said we're not police officers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we're so, not police officers. So you know, maybe we're like I said, there, 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 there's a degree a degree of restraint that once the force is abandoned, then uh-huh. you can't you can't continuously escalate the force. You know, so I'm I'm gonna stand on the fact that it was excessive. 
I will retract okay. the remark about the murder because, again, I want to see all angles right. and be just to to the law enforcement uh, brethren, okay? But it, yeah. excessive, okay? I will say that yeah. it, was, it was excessive, and at the time of the angles that I see, I don't see that imminent threat simply because of your reactionary gap. So I will take back the commentary about, you know, the murder, because I wanted, again, to be fair and see the videos, and, and had not, like I say, hadn't done anything nationally, not giving any reasons, but just being uninformed right. of all of the aspects. So I appreciate you bringing that to my attention, as as, as always. Well, no, man, and, and I defer to you because, you know, once again, you lived that life, and, and you know, and you've participated in that training. And uh, so if you're saying that, you know, that based on the training that, you know, police officers received that they should have been more, used more restraint, hey, I, I'll, you know, listen, I'll, I'll defer to that. I just, you know, just me looking at it through just the regular Joe Smo's eyes, you know, you shoot at me, you get out and run, we try to hit you with a taser, you make a quick turn, okay, now I got to drop you because I don't know, you know, I know you have, I know for a fact you have a gun. You may not have it on you, but I know you had a gun at some point because you shot at me. So now I got to, you know, to, you know, look at it from a different angle. Mr. Elias, man, any final thoughts on this, man, before we get out of here? I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I still agree with Johnny D. 40, I mean, they, this man got shot 40 times, man, 40-something times. So that that's yeah. that's a little excessive. You don't think that's excessive? No, I, listen, really? I, I was watching. No, 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 listen, I was watching something. And it was showing how this police officer, he pulled, a state trooper, he pulled over a couple, right? And uh, they were all nice and, you know, having a great conversation with the lady who was pregnant that was standing outside the car. And then a guy got out and shot at him and then tried to grab his gun and try to shoot at him again and started beating him upside the head. And another cop came and pumped about 15 bullets in him. And they said, was it too much? He said, he said, you're trained to shoot until you eliminate the threat. That threat was eliminated. So I don't know. I don't know how many officers were on the scene. They said there were eight. So if all of them shot 15 times or 10 times or 30, you know, I don't know. It wasn't one. There was not one police officer that shot 45 times. You had eight cops shooting until the threat was down. So I, I don't know. I mean, is it excessive? You can look at it and say about a number of, of, of uh, times he was hit. But if you really look at the fact that you had eight officers, and maybe if eight officers took five shots apiece, that's, is that unreasonable to think that, okay, I need to shoot until I see him down? I don't know. I just, yeah, once again, it's just one of those things, man. Down. Don't take one well, to bring I, you down, man. Well, that's true, but okay. And if you're so, a you officer and you can shoot okay. the hit where you want to hit, <laughs> come on, man. Well, you Let's know, once, they're, they're firing at night. They don't have tracer rounds. Once again, I'm just trying to be fair. And is it is it is it fair to say that if I'm shooting at somebody, you know, I'm gonna take five shots? Is that is that is that unreasonable for one police officer to take five shots to take somebody down just to make sure the threat's yes. down? I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay, well that's your opinion, and yeah. if that's what y'all guys think, so be it. Yeah, Jay. Jay, can I say this? Uh, you and Les, uh, the, the bigger picture is this here. You know, when, when I speak with with community groups and particularly young people the thing is we got to stop taking a drive without a license or expired registration and turning it into a murder okay or a police shooting the average 
interaction statistically is about 20 minutes, okay? 20 minutes. And at the end of it, everybody wants to go home. And that's, that's that piece where I always try to emphasize to the community about restraint. If you have a, if, if you have a law enforcement person and, and you think they're getting a little, little, little rude with you, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Then you go to the, to, 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 to the precinct, you file your, your complaint, and then let the internal process take place. That 20-minute yeah. interaction should not turn into a death. You know, if you yeah. don't have any registration, don't jump out the vehicle taking off running. But that's, that's what's yeah. happening so often is that, you know, it, it, it's twofold because, like I said, at the end of the day, you want to go home. Yeah. We just yeah. got to yeah. step back and look at the whole dynamics. And once again, you have a, a, a gentleman that's got a misdemeanor and he takes off running. Now, could he have been committing a felony before that? But at the time, you got a misdemeanor and you turn it into a death. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're okay. And listen, we, we got to step out. We got to go. Um, and fair enough. I mean, listen, that's why, you know, I'll use uh, Vanessa's favorite thing. That's why Baskin Robin has 33 flavors. You know, we all have different opinions, and that's just the way it is. All right, we're going to step out and take a break. We'll be right back. More to come, 347-850-1272. It is a serious side of a gloomy, gloomy, gloomy Sunday in my neck of the woods. Hopefully the weather's better on your side of the world. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Online radio at its best.
Today, nearly one in five Americans are living with a mental health condition, from our children and grandparents to our veterans, coworkers, and neighbors. For all of us, our mental well-being is just as important as our physical health. But unfortunately, most of us don't know how to recognize the signs that someone is in emotional distress. And so many of those who are having difficulty can't get the help they need. And together, we can change this. We can start by visiting changedirection.org and learning the five signs that may mean someone is struggling and needs help. And then it's up to us to show compassion, to reach out, to connect, help folks find the hope and the support they need. Together, we can change the story about mental health in America. Together, we can change direction. Online radio at its best. An official letter written by Senator Sheldon and Representative Hank Johnson has officially been sent to the Judicial Conference. This is the conference that oversees the justices in this country. And if the justices decide, they can request that the Attorney General of the United States open a criminal and civil investigation into Justice Clarence Thomas. The letter says specifically, we write to request that the Judicial Conference exercise its authority pursuant to 5 United States Code, Section 13106, Section B, to refer Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, to the U.S. Attorney General. Welcome back in. 16 minutes after the hour, you're listening to the Serious Side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Now, if you would have told me last year, well, let me let me preface this by let me preface that by saying this: we have been on the air probably we've been on the air over 12 years. The serious side has in the 12 year history of this show, I think we may have talked about Clarence Thomas maybe three times. So tell me why almost every other week we're having a conversation about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. The Mr. Oreo Cookie himself. Well, guess what? More information has come out about this man. Not only did this rich Republican billionaire cazillionaire bought his mother's house and his mom is still living in the house. Now more and more stories are coming out about things that Clarence Thomas did not disclose of some of these lavish gifts that was given to him by this Republican donor. This makes you sick to your stomach. For two reasons for me. Can't speak for my two colleagues. One, this is a black man. And, you know, I always, in my opinion, well, for me, if you are African-American, I'm always overprotective of our folks because we always get looked at in a different light. But he's only a black man by show. He's not really a black man. His eternal organs are Caucasian. Second, The fact of the matter is that the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, do not have rules and regulations. Well, they do have rules and regulations to enforce integrity on the court. But the million-dollar question, and it's that E-word that I use, enforce, will they enforce these rules? Let me start with you, Mr. Elias. This is just, you know, you talk about this country. You talk about 
you know, rules and regulations. But when you have the highest court on the land just saying to hell with the rules, we are above the law, we can do what the hell we want to do, and the fact that the Chief Justice hasn't said a damn thing about this tells you all you need to know about, once again, there should be term limits. You should never give someone a lifetime appointment with no rules in place because they think they are the law. And Justice Thomas, who happens to be the longest-serving justice on the Supreme Court, has been doing this mess for a long time. Oh, his wife has been getting paid over $100,000 a year, and she listed on her financial disclosure that she doesn't get any income. Liar, liar, <laughs> pants on fire, what say you? Uh, I'm not surprised by any of this, man. This, this is what this is how the rich get richer, man. This is what they do. They don't pay taxes. They don't. Uh, they don't disclose their income. They don't do any of these things to that that the normal people do. And we worry about we worry, like I say, we worry about somebody getting an extra couple of dollars for welfare. Look, man. The bottom line is this man needs to be held accountable. His feet need to be held to the fire like anybody else. You know, if you if you are doing an, an injustice to the justice system, and, and injustice anywhere is, is injustice everywhere. So this man is doing an injustice all he can to to, to our system, and we're not doing anything about it. There's nothing that we can do about it. So the the police that are watching the police are the police, and it's a justice system. So I'm, I'm guaranteeing you that they're not going to do anything to this man. Nothing's going to happen to him. Cause he's gonna keep getting away with it. Cause he got away with what it, it needed him, didn't he? You know that that was the first clue that he knew he knew he could get away with anything he wanted to get away with. And and then his despicable, even his despicable wife are uh, you know gonna keep getting away with it. And and that's the story. That's the that's the that's where the cookie crumble. That's where the tootsie rolls. You know, John. Um, we put on the uniform of this nation some years ago, 37-plus years ago to be exact. And here we are in a country where we try to be the beacon of light for the world. We try to be, you know, we're supposed to be the example. And here you are, here we are in a situation where a, a Supreme Court uh, justice has been receiving lavish gifts from a Republican donor, billionaire Republican donor. I mean, we're talking, this guy probably has given this dude over a million-plus dollars. And you can't tell me that, well, the reason why they reported because they didn't have any business before the court. But you've proven, based on that, that the ruling you made on uh, two years ago or a year ago when there was a ruling to have Donald Trump's uh, information disclosed, and you were the only justice who voted against it, come to find out that your wife had been talking to that administration the whole time. Don't tell me that you can't be influenced by that. You were influenced to make a decision about your wife that was just based on a – I'm not even going to say what I was going to say, but I'll just leave it at that. But you're trying to tell me millions of dollars is being spent on you? And you're trying to tell me that, you know, if, 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 if just in case something that this guy holds near and dear is something the guy, the millionaire or the billionaire or whatever he is, holds near and dear, you're trying to tell me that you're going to rule against that? 
and this guy has been pumping money into your lavish lifestyle, old Clarence from back in, in the hood, back in the, in, in, in the country, he's a disgrace. And the fact that he won't step down, to me, he's worse than Trump. He's worse than Trump because he is sitting on the highest court in the land. The highest court in the land. And yet and still, there he sits. And it sounds like nothing's going to happen. Just like Amy Barrett, Amy Barrett, whatever her last name is, oh, we're not going to change Roe v. Wade because it's already a precedent in the court. Huh? Brett Kavanaugh, woman accused him of raping her. He's sitting up there with his big old head smiling the mess. This country's so, oh, my God, man. What say you, sir? Wow. You know, Jay, you have qualified and put in a space some similar commentary. Um, it's, you know, this guy really mm. does not even reflect or represent, um, you know, mm. he's oftentimes compared to Thurgood Marshall uh, because oh, of God. the historical aspect of his nomination as well as his selection into the Supreme Court. Um, Appalling. Just threw up in my mouth. I just threw up in my mouth when you said that. You know, know, recently um, recently I was having some conversations with with some family members and, and of course, got some Republican supporters and some some Trump supporters in the family. And and I will tell you what's, what's Interesting, and hopefully this really qualifies the level of disdain that a community of people really has for this this individual here. Um, when the conversation continued to take take fold and take shape, uh, someone compared or or. Uh, one of my one of my relatives and, and said that they had the same ideology as as Donald Trump. Okay, oh, and when 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 I made the commentary that in fact he was worse than Clarence Thomas. Now that's what I that's what I told my relative. He was more offended by the comment that I said he was worse than Clarence Thomas than he was with the comparison to Donald Trump. Now, that should give even individuals who don't understand the significance of, of, of my comment the just a thought of how vile this individual is, is seen. Now, mm. my point would be this here. Why all of a sudden has this come out? You know, now he and his wife was the loudest of all of the ones who contested the Roe v. Wade argument, okay? Back in, you remember back in 22 when, when that leak came out? He and his wife was the one, particularly that wife was the one that was talking about the leak, who leaked and, and how repulsive and, you know, the Supreme Court no longer can be looked at it the same way. Now, all of a sudden, a man who's been serving on the Supreme Court mm. for over 30 years 
been receiving these luxury gifts for over yep. 20. Now this comes out. Mm. Behind the scenes in regards to making sure that we just keep you in your place. Mm. You, 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 you see where I'm going with this? Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to keep you in your place because obviously you don't understand, Clarence, about who really has the power. Mm. So now Harlan Crow has been dictating the Republican agenda for many, many years, and he doesn't mm. just have Clarence Thomas up under his thumb. He's got Mitch McConnell. He's got the whole Republican Party up under his thumb. Mm. But like I say now, again, know, know the timing of this here. This guy been doing this for 20-some years, and he sits there and he – he balks on the Roe v. Wade. Now, again, I don't anticipate that it was someone in the party, but there's someone with some influence that sat back and said, you know what, let's go ahead and expose this guy. Maybe, maybe his time is up. You know, my, 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 my significant person uh, refers to individuals as Clarence, like Clarence Thomas as the character that Samuel Jackson played in Django Stevens. Oh, so in, instead of speaks, oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so you, you, you know, back Jay, back back in you know, mm. the era where, where where you and I left came up. You know, we call we 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 call those individuals bojangles, um, you know, sambos and and things of that nature right there. If you betrayed mm. who we were, Uncle Tom. And and she says, "Well, now these this this the new age Stephen, and that that's who this guy is, man. I mean, that's who that's who he is in representation of just how lowly the community sees him, and he's done nothing, nothing to even align himself parallel with the agenda of." the African-American community or a community of individuals who might just simply be under that poverty level. He's done nothing for the poor. He's done nothing that represents himself as a person of dignity, and he really is a vile individual, and his day has come. His day has come. Yeah, you know. Now, we did a show on Uncle Tom's because now you remember Mr. Elias, so we, we, we don't use that term anymore because we realize what the term means. But, you know, you're right. I mean, the new age Stephen. I like that. We have Karen, now we have Stephen. He's a joke. And the fact that uh, Chief Justice uh, uh, Roberts won't say anything, his credibility is shot too. You know, Rep- Democrats always want to play fair ball. But, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, hell, we should just put some more Supreme Court justices on the court. But then, you know, they'll come back and say, but what happens when the next Republican president comes in? They'll do it. Then all of a sudden you have, a, you know, 15, 20, 30 people sitting up there. So I guess I can understand why people are saying that. But don't tell me. So now they're saying, well, if you get rid of them and impeach them, the court can't really operate with eight justices. Oh, really? Well, when Mitch McConnell denied President Obama his ability to 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 uh, assign or, or appoint a judge, they did just fine for a year plus with a justice. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's hypocrisy at the highest level, and you just get so tired of it. How the privileged get a chance to make their own damn rules, but then they want to sit here and smash, you know, the people 
with with less resources upside the head with the gavel because they don't have the means to fight the way these fools break the law and get away with it in a broad daylight. Mr. Elias, I'll give you the final thought before we get out of here. Clarence Thomas has always been a despicable human being. Even when he talked about affirmative action, he said he that he wanted to get rid of it, even though even though that was the way he got his black ass in there. Look, man, oh, this God. guy, Stop. you know, hey, hey, for 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 Johnny G, significant other, to call him Stephen, hey, that kudos to you, cause that's what we'll use from now instead of Uncle Tom. His name is Steve. Yep. So, bottom line is, hey, man, look, when he did that that, that stickable stuff to Anita Hill, he should have been he should have been ousted then, but they didn't. None of them ousted him. Why is that nigga on that night? Steven, <laughs> that's who he is. <laughs> Steven, he's just an old brother like you. Why is that nigga up on that night? <laughs> All right, folks, you're going to step take a break. Three, four, seven, eight, five, one, two, seven, two. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. <laughs>
I hate giving them props, but it's Blog Talk Radio. That's where the broadcast originates from. So you can work your way here and find our chat room there. Uh, give me a week. I think I can get it fixed. But unfortunately, I will not have any comments. So the only comments we'll hear this morning will be from what's ever in our chat room today here on Blog Talk. And that's more than likely going to be Convena Man. So it'll be all yours. Pastor Steve states your case. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We have one more order of business to attend to. Let's do it. Fox has to pay Dominion Voting System seven hundred and eighty-seven million dollars for making false statements about the voting machines. It was a huge story for the past two years in the media world, but very rarely mentioned on Fox. So, what do Fox viewers know about what happened? I sat down with a group of them to find out. Here is our pulse of the people. Show of hands, how many of you had heard about this two-year legal battle between Dominion and Fox before our producer called you? Two of you had heard about it. I was aware um, of the claims that it made against Dominion and, and, you know, the allegations of voter fraud more broadly. I just wasn't aware that Dominion had uh, filed essentially a defamation suit against Fox. How many of you are surprised by the $787 million settlement that Fox agreed to pay to Dominion for broadcasting false information about the voting system. None of you. Reagan, your thoughts. It was damning to Fox. Um, So at some point, you have to make a business decision on both sides. And I... I thought, you know, it would probably be in Fox's best interest to settle. Obviously, Fox made those claims in some capacity, and Dominion took issue with it. So, okay, they sued him. What I came away from the court filing with was a lot of this is a matter of opinion. This has been over a year, correct? So for them to come to the table with no evidence to back up their claims, that's really frustrating. Because, quite frankly, uh, we've had millions of Americans that have been doing their homework since 2020. It's pretty easy to find some uh, funny stuff. (laughs) Oh, my God, man. (laughs) So, Fox, okay, so now you heard the the lead up. So, Fox got, Fox settled out of court because Dominion was going to wipe the floor with him. They were ready to take them to court, and they realized, they as in Fox, realized that we're not going to win this, and we're going to have to give up a billion-some-plus dollars. So why don't we save ourselves a heartache and pain, even though they've already been embarrassed? Because you have your on-air personalities going on the air pushing this nonsense, but then you have you know leaked audio and, and leaked emails where they thought the people that they had on their own shows were crazy and cuckoo for Cocoa Puff. So now they were being exposed, and I tell you what, the attorneys for Dominion, they did it the right way. They leaked all this information to the public. So by the time they got to court, Fox realized they weren't going to win, so they settled out of court. But that's not the only lawsuit that's coming against them. There are two more companies that are lined up trying to get some of Fox's money. But the fact that Fox, so you just heard CNN conducted a, uh, a roundtable discussion with Fox listeners and viewers, I should say, and they didn't really hear about it all that much because Fox never promoted it. And then at the end, you heard the one lady said, well, they came to the table, but they didn't have any evidence 
And there are millions and millions of people out here doing their research, and they realize that something funny was going on. <laughs> when you have the Republican state, state attorney, attorney general in Georgia, said we counted that mess four times. And every time we counted, Donald Trump lost votes. It is amazing the people that we share this earth with, Ms. Elias. Some of these people are folks that are bankers, they are attorneys, and they believe this nonsense. And you're asking yourself the question, how the hell did they get to where they are when they live in la-la land? But give me your thoughts on the the lawsuit. And, um, and what do you think about these crazy people that are out here that still think that Donald Trump won the election? Hey man, it, 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 there's a uh, <laughs> there's a person that lives not too far from me, and he's got it in his yard. He's got a big sign up saying Trump won. He's got a flashlight all on one of his baths and all this other stuff. Look, man, Dominion did the right thing, but I wish to God they would have took it to court. I wish they would have never settled out of court because you know what? That would expose all the Tucker Carlson's and the uh, Sean Hannity's. And everybody else on the network that was sitting there lying and knew damn well that this man lost. They couldn't they can't even stand it. I wish their text records would have came out and and, and you know, I know they came out but on, on Fox they'd have had the well, they, they, I'd have had a blast with that. Just loving everybody. Hey man, let me tell you something and, and, and Johnny can attest to this. But they tell you, man, in the military, you want to hurt somebody, hit them where? Hit them in the pocket. So, yeah, you know what? They make a billion something out. Hit them in the pocket. Hit them in the pocket. That hurts. They can sit here and say, listen. Oh, it hurt. Oh, it hurt. I know it hurt. It hurt. And guess what? And so so guess what? So, So Dominion came out ahead. Because think about it from this perspective. We already know, because they did a masterful job of putting this information out in the public sphere. So we already know about it, right? And they get the money, and then they had Fox. They didn't come out and say they were sorry, but Fox acknowledges that some of the claims that were said on this broadcast may have been false. We, so, so they're not going to get a full apology. I think most people, Johnny D, were disappointed that Dominion didn't demand Fox to apologize. But then Fox has this. And I don't have a statement in front of me, but it says something along the lines of the only people that were hurt today was real was uh, uh, the integrity of reporters, uh, and not you know not being able to to, to to really pursue the truth. And you know, once again, I threw up in my mouth. The integrity of in- <laughs> reporters is that what you call Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram? Uh, you know, Judge Jenny or whatever her freaking name is, these people are cuckoo, man. And so guess what? At the end of the day, it cost them. It cost them big time. And there's more to come. Because now these other people are saying, hey, look here, man. Fox is willing to <laughs> give it up. We coming to get them too. What say you, sir? Well, first off, what I want to say to my brother is I'm not sure where you got this terminology uh, you regurgitated in your mouth. Now that is that's that my mouth. Hey, that is killing me. So <laughs> my mouth, man. Yeah, yeah my mouth, definitely. Man. So T 
to to, to the subject at, at hand. Um, you know, when when I look at the the, the payout, yeah, monetarily, you're exactly right. Uh, like I say, all of the foolish things that that I that I've done in my life, uh, like the, the things that hurt the most, you know, sometimes is is the moral <laughs> aspect of it, which you know that you can never get rid of that financial yeah. uh, components of it that hurts. Uh, so the monetary aspect of it is is certainly significant. Uh, but you know, Fox is used to to, to settling you know, lawsuits. If if you look at the, over the history of their sexual harassment claims starting back from Bill oh, yeah. O'Reilly and the rest of them, you know, th- that probably brings them up to about a half a billion just in settling sexual <laughs> harassment. And yet it uh, continues, okay? Now see that's my yeah. point. It continues. So the reality of it is is that, yeah, this is the significance from a monetary standpoint, but from a from a from a contributor and ethical standpoint as far as news reporting, then it yeah. really doesn't bring any any onus to Fox as far as liability from that standpoint. Financial, yeah, but we don't have to necessarily say we're wrong and we don't have to continue, discontinue what we're doing. Now, the biggest, the biggest portion of this is what people have not really seen. What's if that? you look at the... And and, and, I, and I'm and I'm a, I'm gonna hit a defining point, January the sixth. Okay, if you look okay. at that coup, you look at that insurrection. Fox is the cause of that. Okay, yes. so in, in essence, I look at American sovereignty was the result. So that seven hundred million dollars is nothing in compared to the sovereignty, sovereignty and the respectability that America lost with this. Fox reporting. Now, yeah, was there other, um, you know, news outlets and media sources? But who drove the, who, who was driving the nails? Fox. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Fox sure. has stripped America and well, really exposed them, you know, it, it exposed America because it was always there. But Fox reporting yeah. from the days of President Obama led people to just be angered about yep. the political process and about America itself. And that January 6th, Fox contributed to all of that. So that's what really Fox has done. So we can't ever get that back. So $700 million to them is nothing. But look at what they took from America and the sovereignty true. that we have moving forward. That's true. Uh, I'll definitely give you that. You're absolutely correct about that. Uh, it's nothing compared to um, um you're right. It's nothing compared to that. I mean, the cost of freedom, you can't really pull a dollar amount on how much uh, this has cost this country. And, uh, you know, it's just a shame. But I tell you what, I just noticed something, uh, Mr. Elias. And, and when Johnny said this, I looked at something. I, for some odd reason, my studio clock is showing that it's 10 before the top of the hour. But it's not. It's three minutes before the top of the hour. Oh, my God. So we. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to fix this. So if you're listening somewhere live on a platform, you're going to miss our final thoughts because the show cuts off on the blog talk uh, platform in three minutes. I did not realize this. My studio clock is wrong. It's showing that we had 10 minutes left. But I want to finish this one out and then get to our uh, – let's see what. Let's, let's do this. Let me step out. 
we're going to go over a little bit because I want to make sure we get all our final thoughts in. You can call in 347-850-1272 if you want to hear your final thoughts or hear your comments read or if you want to hear the end of the show. If well, you're listening, my studio clock says one minute left. Yeah. I, I know. Well, my studio clock's not saying that. <laughs> my studio clock is saying something completely <laughs> different. Uh, oh, now I just got it in my ear, 90 seconds. Okay. So we're <laughs> – oh, this is crazy. We're 90 seconds out. Um so once again, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. If you want to hear the end, we're going to step out. We're going to take an NPR news break real quick. Uh, we'll come back. We'll read uh, any comments from the chat room if you have any, Miss Elias. Then we'll finish out with our final thoughts. Uh, this has been a weird show. Uh, we'll be right back uh, after this. So, but if you're on the line, stay on the lines because you're here at the end of the show. And if you're listening, like most people do, uh, you know, at your leisure, then obviously you're not missing a beat, right? Right. Okay. We'll step out, take a break. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two, and we'll put a bow on this thing. When we come right back. Police in India have arrested a separatist leader who has revived calls for an independent homeland for India's Sikh religious community. Amripal Singh had been on the run for more than a month. He captured national attention in February when hundreds of his supporters stormed a police station in Punjab state to demand the release of a jailed aide. Fans of a Welsh football team that has attracted attention from all over the world celebrating the team's return to the English Football League for the first time in 15 years. Wrexham gained global attention after being bought by two Hollywood stars. The BBC's Andy Swiss reports the club beat Forum Wood 3-1 to to win the National League title. As Wrexham's fans poured onto the pitch to celebrate their promotion, there were tears of joy from their Hollywood owners Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Since buying the club two years ago, they've attracted a new global fan base thanks to a TV series charting their progress. A return to the Football League after 15 years away was the perfect finale and they achieved it in suitably dramatic fashion as they came from behind to beat Boreham Wood. And so a club which a decade ago nearly went out of business and which had struggled in recent times has completed a remarkable revival. At today's London Marathon, the Netherlands' Safan Hassan won the women's title, finishing in 2 hours, 18 minutes and 33 seconds. And in the men's race, Kelvin Kiptoum of Kenya broke the course record on his way to the title. He finished in 2 hours, 1 minute, 25 seconds. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News from Washington. You are the public in public media. Your support, whether you donate to your local station or sign up for a program like NPR Plus, makes it possible for us to uphold the values of journalism no matter what. If you haven't already, check out the NPR Plus version of podcasts like this one and get more from the shows you love. Learn more at plus.npr.org. Listen to this podcast sponsor-free on Amazon Music with a Prime membership or any podcast app by subscribing to NPR News Now Plus at plus.npr.org. That's plus.npr.org. Online radio at its best. Welcome back here, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two, folks. It has been a quirky show today, uh, but we're happy that you're here. And so, 
time for our final thoughts, but before we get to our final thoughts, Mr. Elias, do you have anything you want to read from the chat room before we say goodbye to our loyal fans? There's nothing in there, Jay. All right, well, that gives us more time to close out this overtime show. <laughs> so, it is time for our final thoughts, and my brother from another mother, Mr. Johnny D, is in the place to be, man. Give me your final thoughts, sir. You know, I'm just thankful for this opportunity, man. Like I say, good to be back with the show and uh and and like jay i do welcome the idea man of us getting together and uh and, and breaking bread and uh let's like I say love you man miss miss v enjoy your, your your world stage crew and brother jay i you know you you always in my prayer man you and your family and uh again just thank everybody for this opportunity to allow us to come into your homes and god bless you yeah wow look at that man there all right, Mr. Elias, man, final thoughts. John, it, it, it's good to have you back, man. It's like a missing piece of your family has finally come home to roost. I thank you for coming back, brother, because next week I won't be here, so you got to fill in and argue with Jay like we usually do, man. Uh, but um, I digress. Look, get out and vote, folks. Yeah, you have. Get out and vote. Get out and vote, folks. If you don't have to get out and vote, you don't have a voice. And right now... Our democracy is in peril. Get out and vote. Get out and vote the right people and also the people who are not going to take your rights away. So get out and vote. You know, I tell you something. I always consider myself a very lucky man. I consider myself lucky because I have folks that I consider my brothers and we don't share the same DNA. And, you know, you can't pick your family members, but in this case you can. And uh, I have some of the most outstanding cats that I call my brothers, and I know that, uh, you know, I may just, you know, Mr. Elias, I may just have to leave here first, man. You die first, I'm going to bust up in your house singing, the <laughs> when Jesus, the I tell you something. <laughs> you die first, I'm going to bust up in that thing singing, the but let me tell you something. These jokes, these jokes, man. These brothers, I will cut off mm. my arms for. I promise you, I will. And let me tell you something, folks, in the listening audience. If you don't have brothers like this, I feel sorry for you, because I know that if I ever get to a point where I need them, they're gonna be there. They're gonna be there. It's a wonderful feeling knowing you can jump off a cliff and know that your safety net. That your brothers are going to be there. That's a wonderful feeling. And same thing on this end. They can jump off the cliff and they know that their brother's going to be there for them. So uh, it's just a special uh, bond with these guys. And, uh, you know, John, man, I'm not going to put you on the spot, you know, to see when you're going to come back. But uh, just the fact that you came in here today, held it down, you know, like Mr. Elias said, it's like now it's complete because we've heard from this brother. And I know all you folks who have been wanting to hear from him and been like, oh, I thought he'd come back in January. You know, hey, things happen. Don't worry about it. You got a taste. Maybe you get a taste, taste next week. But he is still amongst the family. And this door and this chair is always open for you, my brother. So I love you. I love your, your wife. I love Likewise. My, my likewise. I, like, I love my nieces and nephews. And uh, you know what? It is what it is. So, Mr. Elias. If it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? 
I'm gonna let that. I'm gonna defer that to Johnny. Gun, Johnny, you take us out of here, man. John, yeah, you do. You're right, Miss Kelly. It's my bad. If it's Sunday, Johnny D, and we're talking serious stuff, man. What time is it, my friend? It's the serious side of the J. Rao show, brothers. Oh, I love y'all, man. man. Oh, man, I love you guys, too, man. Y'all down first so I can put something in that thing saying, <laughs> Hey, hey I, I'm, 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 I'm retired. I've lived a long time. I'm retired. I'm living as long as I'm going to live, baby. There you go. But when you do go, man, you down first so I can put something in that thing saying, Duh-ba-roo. <laughs> for Johnny D, for my boy Michelle Elias, for Vanessa, for Jerome, you guys be safe where you are. I'm Jay Rao. Said, make it a wonderful work week. Uh, kiss your family, kiss your brother, kiss your mother, kiss your sister, brother, wife, uncle, whatever. And if it's Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. It is the serious side of the Jay Rao show. Love you, Momo B. You want to kiss your black self. And I see you too, Redelia. You want to love you, ladies. We'll talk to you. We'll see you next week. God bless everybody. All right, take care. God bless.